Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Good Night Show with me, your host, Daniel Van Kirk. I hope you are having a good night. It is April 24th, a Friday, and it is about 12 a.m. Rochelle time. There, I removed both, so it doesn't even, you can't argue with me. It's just Rochelle time. Let me welcome to the show our producer who makes it happen. Mr. Noah Eberhardt. Noah, welcome to the show. How are you, my friend? Hey, Dan. I'm, I'm feeling good. I uh, finally cracked into that gigantic bottle of vodka the other night. <laughs> good. Uh, finally good. got started and made a Bloody Mary, and uh, it was great. Well, save some, save some for when we play the Shark Tank drinking game. There will be so much. I feel like you would go beer uh, on a drinking game. Yeah. See, yeah. I won't. Hard right? liquor. I don't is, drink beer. I'm going. You'll see me. I'll go hard liquor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. It is Friday. Every Friday we switch it up. If you're new to the show, the Good Night Show is just a nightly little podcast to give you a break at the end of your day or whenever you decide to listen to it. We just want you to uh, not think about the stuff that's stressing you out and just think about the fun stuff that we're talking about. But every Friday is different. Sometimes it's an interview. Sometimes it is a sex and relationship advice themed episode. And every once in a while, it is a mystery. Some mysteries are darker than others. So I don't know if you'll feel good after listening to this, but hopefully you're entertained. Hopefully it definitely doesn't allow you to think about anything else. And if you are into it, you're getting it today. Uh, but you can let us know what you thought of this episode by contacting us. Text us at 609-955. That's 609-644-4855. Or you can just call that number and leave a voicemail. Nobody ever answers, but you can uh, leave us a voicemail there. You can also email us at thegoodnightpod at gmail.com. And what could you do with that information other than tell me what you thought of tonight's mystery? Well, you could write up a little half-page ad for your business. Yeah, make sure it takes about 30 seconds to read, and it, I might even read it as an ad on this show. Some of the ads that we will be or even have done came to us that way. Also, you can send in your positive, positive stories. Maybe after hearing a dark mystery like this, you're like, all right, I need something positive. And you find it right away. Well, guess what? In a few days on Monday, we're going to be doing those. Uh, it comes out Sunday night into Monday morning, 12 a.m. You uh, can send us positive stories, things you've seen that are making you happy. As I said, we have a sex and relationship advice podcast or theme of this podcast. That comes out every single weekend and every once in a while. It comes out on a Friday as well. So ask us your sex and relationship advice questions. We've had some really good stuff there, but I'm going to talk about the Patreon in a second and what to expect. Uh, also, you can tell us things that you're being entertained by that you want to uh, tell us to read and or watch. All that, like I said, can be done by texting or leaving a voicemail at 609-955 or emailing us thegoodnightpod at gmail.com. One thing I want to let you know about, I just mentioned briefly, is the Patreon. You can support us there. That is the only way we get support through this show currently is everybody who signs up to be a Patreon subscriber. There's a whole bunch of tiers. I buy a whole bunch. I mean three. The third one and most comprehensive one that gives you everything is less than $10 a month. It's only 9 bucks a month. And when I say everything, you will get every time uh, we aren't doing a uh, sex and relationship advice podcast that week, you'll get one bonus. Same thing for the mystery. You'll get one bonus. Sometimes those will already be in the Friday feed, but you'll still get the other one. Plus, you'll get a weekend edition of this show where we cover kind of what we talked about in the week or maybe one big thing in more in depth. Either way, it's a great 
Extra Listen comes out on Saturday afternoon, and it's called the Weekend Edition. Plus, you'll get access to the Hindsight Podcast, which is a podcast I used to do with all my friends and comedians and creators and writers. They uh, bring in three pictures. We talk about their life when those pictures were taken. There's like four years worth of episodes. You can see the pictures. You can listen to every Hindsight if you want. Plus, you'll get a super cut of this entire week's worth of shows. And coming up on this week's Patreon... The bonus will be the weekend episode where we'll dig into some of the stuff that we watched uh, as well as touch on some of the other days, probably some of the the um, like day, uh, national days that happened this week that we didn't get to. And then in the sex and relationship, we have a person who was cheated on and then a person who did the cheating. We do two questions, both different sides of the same coin. And I was really happy with that episode. And Noah said that he really liked it as well. So if you're interested in that, just join the Patreon. You'll be supporting us and I think you'll be getting some really good content. And if you listen to that, that back page with the sex and relationship advice, I think you'll find that um, you could write in about anything because it gets real and, and that's okay. And I think you will dig it. Okay. This is a mystery episode of The Good Night Show and let's dig right into it. This is about the Hinterkaifeck Hinterkaifeck, Hinterkaifeck, I'm trying to say it, just bear with me, uh, the Hinterkaifeck murders. Hinterkaifeck was a small farmstead situated approximately 43 miles north of Munich. It has become infamous as the scene of one of the most gruesome and puzzling unsolved crimes in German history. On the evening of March 31st, 1922, the six inhabitants of the farm were killed with what is believed to be a pickaxe. I will give a warning right here. This gets a little grisly. I have edited out some of the details because it got a little grisly for me. But if this is not your thing, you may want to skip this one or maybe save it for the daylight time because it is wild and it is crazy. And there is enough times where I'm going to yell about red flags that I'm not victim blaming here, but if you stay with me, you'll see what I mean. Okay, so living in the Hinterkaifeck homestead was the Gruber family. And here's their names that I will also do my best to pronounce. Andreas is what I'm going with for the patriarch. Kazilia is the wife. Victoria is the daughter, or was, I should say. Victoria's children, little Kazilia and Joseph, or Joseph. And their new maid, Maria. I've already got a suspect, but here we go. Prior to the murder, strange things started to happen around the farm. Each occurrence on its own wouldn't have seemed overwhelmingly suspicious, but when you look back at them all together, it's clear something was afoot. Here are some of the strange occurrences. I'm going to tell you right now, Noah, I, only, I bet I only need one of these. Here we go. Their previous maid quit several months before the murder because she heard noises around the house and thought it was haunted. Already smartest person in this story. One, because she obviously <laughs> lived. But two, yes, I always say this in those horror movies. When the toaster starts on fire and it's not plugged in, get out. To, like, 100%. move. Move now. Because it's only going to get worse. It says the previous maid quits because she thought the house was haunted. The day of the murders was Maria, the new maid's first day. Andreas, these are all the things that happened leading up to this. Andreas told neighbors he'd seen unidentified footprints in the snow heading towards the house, but none leading away. He did not report this to the police. (laughs) 
Again, I don't want to victim blame, but come on, man. The family heard footsteps coming from the ceiling. Andreas investigated the attic, but found nothing amiss. Well, I mean, other than the fact that you're hearing footsteps in your home. Andreas found a newspaper in the house. He could not remember buying it, and thus he initially believed that the postman had lo- had lost the newspaper. This was not the case, however, as no one in the vicinity of where they lived subscribed to the paper. Because someone's living in your house. House keys went missing, <laughs> which is... I suppose the one thing that I could say, like, yeah, that's innocuous. That happens, but um, I don't know. It still feels like uh, I don't. It, uh, that's not the only thing that happened. Um, the family also repeatedly observed a man with a mustache standing at the forest edge and staring towards the house, apparently observing them. <laughs> this is this is essentially what happened in Cape Fear, and I know this happened way before Cape Fear, but. When someone's standing outside your house staring at you, call the cops. Also, that sounds like a cartoon villain just like sitting there twirling his mustache and watching oh, them. Like, that's creepily. so creepy. All right, this brings us to March 31st, 1922. On the afternoon of March 31st, a Friday, the new maid, Maria Baumgartner, arrived at the farm. Maria's sister has had escorted her there and left the farm after a short stay. She was most likely the last person to see the inhabitants alive. Cut to April 1st, and I do not feel like this is a prank. Little Cazelia missed school. It's noted, but doesn't cause concern. That day, two coffee sellers arrived in Hinterkaifeck, to place an order when no one responded to the knocks on the door and the window they walked around the yard but found no one also these coffee sellers like if nobody's at the door you know just don't get to start walking around people's property but maybe when you need coffee you need coffee you know (laughs) well they think they need it right because they're selling it um they walked around the yard found no one but they noticed that the gate to the machine house was open On April 3rd, which would someday be my mother's birthday, the family wasn't at church, which again was odd, but no one was concerned enough to check. That day, the postman was delivering the mail. So I guess back then you got mail every day of the week, huh? This is Sunday. Uh, The postman was delivering the mail at the the Hinterkaifeck when he noticed that Saturday's mail was still where he had left it and that no one had been in the yard. At this time, smoke continues to come out of the chimney in the home. The animals on the farm and the Gruber's pet Pomeranian continued to be fed and cared for. Then, on April 4th, little Cazelia missed school again, and the police were alerted for a welfare check. Later that day, the bodies of the Gruber family were discovered by neighbors who had created a search party, and police began investigating. Here's what they found that day. Andreas, Cazilia, Victoria, and little Cazilia were killed in the barn with a pickaxe or similar farm tool. Their bodies were covered with hay. Andreas's face was unrecognizable. His cheekbones were sticking out of the flesh. Again, if this is graphic, I tried to tell you. Adult Cazilia was strangled and had been hit seven times with a tool. Victoria was... Um, hit nine times uh, about the head and face. And little Cazelia appeared to be the only person who survived after finally assist, uh, falling victim to uh, the wounds that she she sustained. Uh, it is believed that she survived in shock and just had a bad time. That's all I'm going to tell you. If you 
if you need to go there, I'll tell you where you can find this stuff, but just trust me, it didn't work out well for any of them. Maria and Joseph were found inside the home, both covered by sheets. Maria was killed in her room by the same weapon as those in the barn, and Joseph was killed by a blow to the head in the room he shared with Victoria. So those two were split up for some reason. Uh, We will take a quick break because maybe you need it. We'll read some much more lighthearted ads, and then we will come back to this story. I want to tell you about High Noon Hard Seltzer made with real vodka and real juice because there's a lot of fake out there, but things just got real. High Noon Sun Sips are the easy drinking, great tasting, sun toasting, blue sky celebrating, memory making awesomeness in a can. Hard seltzers can be made from just about any mixture of soda, water, and alcohol. Some brands use malt, liquor, and sugar to flavor their drinks, but High Noon High Noon uses, uses real vodka and real fruit juice for 100 calories of easy drinking, take anywhere deliciousness. High Noon Sun Sips are offered in four refreshing flavors, grapefruit, pineapple, black cherry, and watermelon. And the juice in each High Noon Sun Sip is real. They use a mix of juices to make each flavor, but everything comes from real fruit. High Noon Sun Sips come in packs of four and a variety 12 pack. And on their website, you can search for places to buy High Noon on the Where to Buy page. You can also check out your favorite cat, uh, grocery store, liquor store, or stay safe and practice distance socializing by checking with your preferred alcohol delivery service. High Noon is currently available in 32 states. If they're not available where you are, contact them on the website and they'll see how they can help. So check out highnoonspirits.com and enjoy responsibly. High Noon Hard Seltzer. Things just got real. Are you looking for a way to let everyone know that you're serious about social distancing, staying safe, and being smart, but you want to look good at the same time? Check out Real Day Design. They have a variety of shirt styles that look and feel great while also sending the message that you care about your health and you care about the people around you. Choose from a short sleeve or long sleeve tee, crew neck sweatshirt, or even a football jersey style t-shirt. Any option is perfect for looking good and feeling comfortable in your own home or on a walk. But letting people know you are part of the social distancing club doesn't just have to be worn. You can show everyone in your Zoom meeting where your priorities lie with a social distancing club coffee mug. So quarantine but make it fashion by visiting Real Day Design online at bonfire.com slash store slash real hyphen day hyphen design hyphen co. Again, that's Real Day Design online. Just go to bonfire.com and search for Real Day Design. Okay, we are back into the story, and now we're going to dig into the investigation of what happened to these people, who was leaving their newspapers around, who took their car keys, and why did they not care about someone standing at the edge of the woods staring at them. Shortly after their autopsies, which were held in the homestead's barn, the heads of the Gruber family and their maid were removed moved from the bodies, so not just like the heads of household, their actual heads were removed from the bodies and sent off for further examination. I don't know why. Maybe that's something they thought worked during around World War II. Maybe it still does. That's just news to me. Subsequently, all the heads were lost. That's a bummer. Possibly destroyed in the Allied bombings in World War II. 
The police first suspected the motive to be robbery, and they interrogated traveling craftsmen, vagrants, and several inhabitants from the surrounding villages. When a large amount of money was found in the house, though, they abandoned that theory. It quickly became clear that the perpetrator, or perpetrators, had remained at the farm for several days. Someone had fed the cattle eaten the entire supply of bread from the kitchen, and had recently cut meat from the pantry, but fingerprints were not secured. I feel like you probably could have gotten those. The exact sequence of events could not be clarified without a doubt, but it appears that in the late evening of March 31st, family members were lured to their barn through a stable where they were murdered one at a time. The perpetrator moved into the living quarters where, with the same murder weapon, killed Joseph, sleeping in his bassinet, and Maria in her bedchamber. With no clear motive to be gleaned from the crime scene, the police began to formulate a list of suspects. But, despite repeated arrests, no murderer has ever been found, and the files were closed in 1955. In all, more than 100 suspects have been questioned throughout the years, but none of the questioning has ever yielded any conclusive results. The farm was demolished in 1923, and in the middle of May 1927, a stranger was said to have stopped a resident of Weidhofen at midnight. He asked him questions about the murder and then shouted that he was the murderer before he ran into the woods and the stranger was never identified. Noah, I'm going to go on a limb here and say that's our best lead. Uh, but did he have a mustache? That's the real question. I mean, he, hey, I used to have a mustache. You could you could shave it. That's true. That's uh, very true. Uh, side note, mustache. Mustache side note. Yesterday, uh, I was... Uh, or I'm sorry, I don't know why I even said yesterday. Last week, I was uh, talking to my grandma on her birthday, and she yelled at me for shaving my mustache. She said she wants wow. me to grow it back. So when the most important person in the world who's 90 years old tells you to do something, I might have to grow it back just for her. But I promise I had nothing to do with these murders, so don't put that on the mustache. <laughs> As of now, most of the original items of the crime have been lost, destroyed, or are no longer useful in the investigation. So, I mean, this is like the coldest of all cases. But there are some possible theories that remain. There are many, actually, and we don't have time to get into all of them, but here are a few. Lorenz Schlitzenbauer. I'm going to try it again. I'm just, I'm going to give it another college try. Lorenz Schlitzenbauer. That feels good. Victoria's former fiance. Yeah, that's right. We got an old time lover here. The engagement ended uh, because of Andreas. All right. So Andreas is the reason that Lorenz Schlittenbauer and Victoria, who are now both dead. I mean, all these people probably are, but they died too soon. Here's what happened. It ended because of Andreas. He publicly referred to Joseph as his son, though. That is Lorenz. And the initials LS appear on Joseph's birth certificate, though these could, de- these could be the initials of an attending doctor. Lorenz got married to someone else after his breakup with Victoria, though. And he had a child with this new wife. However, the baby died shortly after birth. Police, or some of them, theorized that when he was overcome with grief from the death of his new baby and wanting to avoid paying child support for Joseph, the child that he claims to have had with Victoria, so he murdered Victoria and her family. That is a little... Uh, that's intense. You just I don't want to say just kill the kid, but like you don't need to... You don't need to throw the family out with the baby water. Um 
He was part of the search party. This is Lorenz. He was also part of the, of the search party to locate the bodies, and some of those with him at the time said he acted strangely upon their discovery. He seemed unbothered by the murders. Then, after finding the four bodies in the barn, Schlittenbauer apparently unlocked the front door with a key and entered the house alone. Remember, the keys had gone missing in the days before the murders. Then again, he may have had a key due to his relationship with Victoria. That makes sense to me. Also, when you get into like... I don't like how they reacted sort of stuff. That's a very slippery slope because everyone reacts completely differently. So I, I'm not I'm not saying Lorenz did this. I'm not saying he didn't, but I'm not I'm not saying he did just based off this. It is known that Schlittenbauer had disturbed the bodies at the scene, thus potentially compromising the investigation. That could be because he's an idiot. He also made statements that perhaps the that only the killer could have known, such as the perpetrator's attempt to bury in the family's remains in the barn had been hindered by the frozen ground. He, but he lived in the area, so he may have known the condition of the ground at the time. Yeah. If we go out to Rochelle, I can tell you right now what the ground is just because <laughs> like, I, I, like you sure. can't dig yet. Like this, that's not weird. Yeah. Police eventually ruled out Lorenz as I feel like they should have justifying his behavior as that of someone in shock, which makes sense rather than a cold blooded killer before his death in 1941 Schlittenbauer conducted and won several civil claims for slander against persons who described him as the murderer of Hinterkaifeck. Now, the next person that they think might have done it, or at least were suspicious of, is Carl Gabriel. That is Victoria's husband. He had reportedly been killed in December of 1914 during the First World War. However, his body had never been recovered. Had he really died? Soldiers from his regiment testified to his death. However, Victoria Gabriel had given birth to Joseph illegitimately in her husband's absence. Two-year-old Joseph was rumored to be the son of Victoria and her father, Andreas, which means that Joseph is not Lorenz's dad. That would mean Joseph's grandpa is also his father, which yeah. here this might be the grossest part of the story. Yeah. Uh, two-year-old Joseph was rumored to be the son of Victoria and her father, Andreas, who had an incestuous relationship that was documented in court and known in the village. Some theorized that Carl Gabriel killed the family to seek revenge, although there's no physical evidence. Yeah, this sounds like some idiot in a coffee shop being like, oh, who did it? That guy came back and he knew that. They Shut up. All right. <laughs> I don't like that one. Uh, especially because of the incest that is factual. There is the murder-suicide angle in saying that Andreas and Victoria had been convicted of incest in the years prior to the murder. There was gossip about town that Andreas, not Lorenz, was the father of Joseph. We just covered that. There was also gossip that Andreas was an extremely violent man. There were rumors that he had had more children with Victoria and Kazilia. Oh, this is like some, uh, I wish I could, uh, Caster's, this is like Caster's place up in uh, Game of Thrones for you book readers, Song of Ice and Fire. Uh, rumors that he had had more children with Victoria, uh, with not just Victoria, but with also Kazelia, and he had killed them all before adulthood through acts of violence, intentional or not. Well, I mean, if you kill one more than one person unintentionally, you're you change your pattern in life. There is yeah. theory. This theory was tossed because none of the wounds could be proven to be self-inflicted. Yeah. I don't think that would be the case either. If you want to read more about these theories, my dear listeners, you can check out Wikipedia. It's a little website that has a lot of information. Some of which may not be true. In conclusion, in 2007, a group of cold case detectives in Germany looked into the case, and while they've not released it out of respect for the surviving relatives of the family, they did agree on a theory. 
And that's all they have here. So these people are like, well, we think we have a theory about what happened, but out of respect for the family, we're not going to say what it is. What, what does that mean? That To me, that would lend to the idea that someone in the family did it. But wouldn't those people right. want to know? That makes no sense well, to me. Well, I think, I, think, I think it's out of respect for the family of the person that they have the theory about. And if that person, if they think they found the murderer and that person has family who's still alive. Yeah. You don't want to necessarily accuse someone publicly. But that family's going to always be sure. alive. So you just never tell. All right. I, I guess. Yeah, I guess yeah. Enough, for sure. Today, the former land of Hinterkaifeck is an open agricultural area of memorial stands near the location of the homestead. Our sources in this episode were an article from allthatsinteresting.com, Atlas Obscura, an article from Mental Floss by Sonia Vatomsky, and as always, Wikipedia. So that was the mystery of the murders of Hinterkaifeck. No one knows what happened. My biggest takeaway from this is if someone is creeping you out or things that can't be explained are happening in your household, call authorities, thoroughly investigate, and maybe just fucking move. Yeah. And I know that's not easy, but don't die, people. Stay sexy. Don't get murdered. That's what a couple of my friends always say. And I, I, I live by that. I'm not good at the first part, but I'm trying hard on the second part. Tonight's episode of The Good Night Show was produced by Noah Everhart. It was engineered and mixed by Brendan Lynch-Solomon with production assistance from Ben Zyper. A big thank you from this episode goes to Kim Fritz, who pitched in and researched this episode with us. Kim and her friends have a podcast coming out soon called Womb Raider. It's the stories of about 30 fetal abductions that have been reported in America. If you're into true crime, keep an eye out for that. And you can find Kimberly Fritz at Kimberly Fritz on Twitter. That's K-I-M-B-E-R-L-Y-F-R-I-T-Z at Kimberly Fritz. The theme music for tonight's episode was composed by Chad Bouchard and the artwork was created by CM Dugan. You can check out more of his work at cmdugan.com if you enjoyed tonight's show. You can get more content at patreon.com. I told you about earlier. Just go to patreon.com slash thegoodnightshow. There you can sign up for the Goodnight Show Weekend Edition as well as exclusive weekly episodes of some of our favorite topics like the back page edition and this one that you just heard, the Goodnight Show Mysteries. Plus, you can get a super cut of this entire week's worth of shows as well as access to the entire back catalog of the Hindsight Podcast. There are three Patreon tiers available and the most comprehensive option is still less than $10 a month. The Goodnight Show is not part of any network, so all proceeds go directly to the cost and people to keep this show on the air, myself, Noah and the help of people like Kim as well as the people who helped us with all of the production. You can support us and that really, really matters and it is greatly appreciated. One way that's very easy to support is to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes and tell everyone you know about this little nightly show. Thank you again for listening. I'm Daniel Van Kirk and remember no man is a failure who has friends. Good night.